And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. A Merry Christmas, everyone. This is a Word Fitly Christmas here uh, at the compound. We are all gathered together to talk about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Willie Grills here with Zoe and Heidi. Joining us today is Adam Kuntz to spread the Christmas cheer. Gentlemen, how are you? (laughs) Doing great. See, the laughter's already started. The cheer is contagious. <laughs> it's it's going to be a good time, and it's going to be an even better time for me because the the snow has started to fall, and that always makes me happy seeing the uh, my natural habitat forming itself. So, see, the weather here is just fierce, howling wind. It might it might even be picking up on my on my on my microphone right now. So, if we're still here, unless I've been blown off into Oz or someplace. Um, it might it might even blow in some snow. We don't know. We don't know just yet. <laughs> Adam, how about uh, how about at the fort? Dark, dreary snow is possible. Rain is possible. So, the opposite of the mood on this call. <laughs> but but that's that's the beauty of Christmas. So, yeah, we'll we'll warm you up. It'll be fine. It'll be fine, bro. Don't worry. All about right, it. cool. Uh, outstanding. Well, guys, why are we here talking about this? I mean, obviously, tis the Christmas season, but why sit down and do this uh, very special episode? Because I would say Christmas is not optional. And the very thing you're being led to think this year is that Christmas, like Thanksgiving or having a life or normal interactions with other human beings, these are all being talked about as optional things. And because of the mighty acts of God, these things are completely not optional. Well, that's uh, very much speaking in the way of the law, Adam, and I very much approve. So thank you. <laughs> well, and, and why would we say that? I think you kind of hinted at it already, but what makes them non-negotiable for us as Christians, Adam? They're non-negotiable because they're not ours. So if I can, you know, nagelite this back into the good graces of Lutheranism. Episode over. Done. Yeah, there right. you go. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Christmas is Christmas is not ours. It belongs to Christ. So what the church year is doing is reflecting God's works and God's deeds and God's ways with mankind. Uh, that's what the Christmas gospel is all about. 
if I say that it's optional, then I'm treating God's works and God's ways with mankind, especially peace and goodwill, as optional things. I can have them or not. And the claim that I can have them on my own neglects how God has set up our salvation to be received, that is, live. We talked about this in our preaching episodes, and it's related to both preaching and baptism and Holy Communion, is that these are all received live in a congregation. Anything outside of that is completely exceptional. And I think the thing that's happening is that we're being commended. It's being commended to us that these things are all permanently optional. We can have them or not. We can do away with them or not, which I guess is perfectly fine for some forms of Christianity, but not ours. Right. Well, the incarnation is perhaps the most significant event in all of history. And and to not remember that. Now, this is actually where people are going to get all technical, right, Adam? Where somebody's going to go, well, actually, well, actually, it's the Annunciation, you know, or something like that. But whatever. We celebrate the birth of Christ. And in celebrating the birth of Christ on Christmas, we celebrate the incarnation. An actual event that should cause the entire world to pause and marvel. We've seen the church lose any kind of clout that she had with the world. Not that we should that we should only go for, for that sort of thing, but people don't take you seriously when you don't take your own faith seriously. Incarnation is fleshly in a good way. It's we we live together as one flesh, one redeemed flesh too. And and so we must come together regularly every Sunday, but these great holy days are significant as well. If we're not careful, I fear we turn everything into just adiaphora. It doesn't matter what you do. So soon enough, the Lord's day doesn't matter. And then no other day really matters. Yeah. I mean, that that's definitely a trick that we've seen before the controversies in the 16th century where the nature of adiaphora was debated uh, so fervently had to do with uh, when it becomes uncomfortable, especially when someone who bears the sword is telling you to do something. The easiest thing right. to do theologically is for the church to explain to itself why actually doing what at first seemed to contravene the conscience is actually a good thing and will be helpful and will preserve the church. So that's not really not really a new impulse, but it's one that I think we've seen in particular. But this, this Christmas is, is particularly interesting because for the last couple generations, we've had to compete with, well, Christmas is really just a holiday to spend with family. Now what the devil has done <laughs> yeah. is said the devil has the devil has said, Oh, no, now you for the safety of your family you must stay away from them, and for the your right. own safety you must stay right. away from God's house. And so it is very much the devil seeking to keep Christians uh, from celebrating the incarnation of Christ. Yeah, and I think it's different from Easter because in Easter, I guess a lot of us could still sort of believe in certain public health measures or restrictions. And we were also being told at Easter time that these things were short. You know, this wasn't going to go on forever. Everything would be back to normal. Yeah. Two weeks to flatten the curve, most famously. Right. And, and what month is it now? <laughs> <laughs> Been a long two. So how many more weeks, Christian man? How many more weeks? Jesus Christ is born. Our Lord Jesus Christ has come into the world to save the world, to redeem his creation. What are you going to do? Which way, Christian man? 
It's a simple question. Through persecution by the Jews, through persecution from the Romans, through plagues and pestilence, the church has met to worship the incarnated Christ and to receive the remission of sins. Which way? That's the question that Word Fitly asks you on this Christmas Day. Which way do we want to go? Do we want to adore Christ? Do we want to receive what he's given? Do we want to glorify him for what he's done? Or do we want to continue on with what we've been forced to do? And increasingly not forced to do, what we've agreed to do. I said this is going to be a cheery episode. Now it doesn't feel so cheery, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, it's a fair question. And, I, and, I, and, I, and our prayer is that we become all the more bold in our faith, in our confession, in our willingness to go to the house of the Lord in the coming days. Well, I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned like with Easter, well, thinking of just Easter generally, you know, the incarnation points to the fact that our Lord is, you know, is like us, but more than that, he is alive. And if the Lord is alive and is reigning as king right now, what does that say to how, you know, we come to worship him? Is it that we are looking towards these earthly things and always wondering what's going to happen to us in this world? Or do we recognize that, let's say even the worst comes to pass, we still get to go be with our Lord. I mean, <laughs> this is kind of a win-win situation. I, I really don't see how you can see it any other way. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. At Christmas, we're even we need, we're forced to ask ourselves, do we believe in the resurrection? And you know, <laughs> you know, there, there's a time for patience. Don't um, crush the bruised reed, dampen the smoldering wick. But if if man, if the light of many has grown has gone completely out, has been completely snuffed out, then we must speak the word of God and we must ignite that fire within them once again. Maybe we need another Pentecost. Maybe we need tongues of fire descending on men once again to to enlighten them and enliven them and to light a fire under them, as they say, and to uh, <laughs> you know to to awaken them again. I appreciate that the uh, they in that sentence seemed to come from App Appalachia, but go on. <laughs> All good things do, but there's there's also an irony about being overly attentive to mandates coming from outside the house of God at Christmas time, <laughs> right. because Matthew's Christmas story is precisely about how people who have nothing to hope for and everything to fear from dying behave when their power is threatened, you know? Yeah. And we'll we'll celebrate that on the 28th with the Feast of the Holy Innocents. Herod behaves the way he does because of great terror. Christians are not meant to live in the same terror or the same desperate need for safety at all times that those who have nothing to hope for in the life of the world to come do. So if you're organizing your ways and your meeting times and everything, around fear, there's really no end to this. I mean, I noticed this in messaging from pastors, as well as the way that, you know, commercials talk about accommodations. Every accommodation is made for those who are terrified, right? There are like three different ways for contactless pickup at most restaurants. There's no way to walk in that restaurant with no mask on anymore, even if you're allowed to take it off when you sit down, because it's magic. Once you sit down, you don't give COVID anymore. But if the church is going to accommodate fear, it has to understand that there's really no end to the accommodation to fear. 
Right. And then but we hear this all the time, you know, uh, we want to keep you safe, safe, safe. I won't return to church until I feel safe. We're going to do what it can to, to make you feel safe. I can't make you feel safe. I can't give you perfect safety, but right. I can give you Jesus Christ. I can give you the word of God. So I can give you the salvation of your souls and victory over death, but I cannot keep you totally safe in this world. And that's not a promise. Indeed, our Lord's promise is that life will be difficult. But what is needful? In the midst of all this, in the midst of all our, our going out and our coming in, we must go to grocery stores. And so we have to brave things to do that. We must get gasoline and other things. What must, okay, that's fine. You assume some kind of risk. What is needful? What is that one thing needful? We need Christ. And particularly, the incarnated Christ. Christ in the flesh that you can only receive in the church. Yeah. That you cannot receive virtually. You cannot receive respect, not, not even respectfully. Sorry, guys. You cannot receive it virtually. Okay. You yeah. receive it in person with your flesh and blood, brothers and sisters. That's where you receive communion. In communion with them, you receive the true communion, Christ's body and blood. Of course, the world and the devil want to keep us away from that. Yeah. Can't guarantee and, you yeah. safety, 100% safety, but can guarantee you Christ, which is better. And I, and I can imagine, I mean, what if the Magi had said, well, you know, when you have to cross the various deserts in what is now Iraq and Syria, that's dangerous. What if we're waylaid? What if bad things happen to us? What if we get a disease from traveling to a foreign country? You know, I mean, what, what are all the excuses? It's too far to church. It's too far to find the Messiah. What are the excuses that the Magi could provide? Uh, as to why they did not have to follow the Bethlehem star. Right. Well, in point of order, now now you're epiphany posting, and my Mediterranean blood will not allow this out of, out of season. So. It's called Old Christmas. That's right, Old Christmas. Uh, now we're back to, man, by the way, bring back Old Christmas, but that's another that's another podcast. But yes. <laughs> no, but absolutely right. What if they had weighed the, the safety... The safety cost. Safety, safety the safety concerns. Risk. Yeah. Yeah. Do we trust? It's like we're trusting more in OSHA and the CDC nowadays. I mean, what some if, things are good. What if Herod yeah, gets well, angry if I do this? You know? Right. <laughs> what yeah. if JB or Andy Bashir or whomever? I, I forgot the names of both of your governors. I'm sorry, guys. That's fine. <laughs> but, you know, not that it's a big concern for you up in up where you're at, Zelwyn. Uh, eh, you'd be well, surprised. I guess now, these yeah, days. yeah, you're now starting to really feel the the boot, aren't you? Yeah, uh, but can't you'd be surprised these you. days. Yeah, but I mean, no, I mean, it's an excellent point because, like you say, Christians throughout history have always dealt with the the question of you know what what's going to happen if, and honestly, in in the vast majority of cases, the the answer came back, you know, so what kind of a thing. So what if Herod's mad? You know, I'm the Christ has still been born. So what if right. we have to run away from our homes? You know, God is still going to take care of me. You know, it's it's kind of, and again, we're not trying to be, I don't know, flippant about this either. This is a, you know, if Christ is actually alive, if he has become one of us, does that not change the way that we look at everything? So we need to look at everything because we've touched on masks. We've touched on the lockdowns. It is so strange to me that the symbol for safety nowadays is a mask that covers your face. And um, you lose your humanity by covering that up completely. Not that we aren't 
rabid promoters of the hijab here. That's a different issue. But <laughs> the, uh, we have dehumanized people to such a degree, treated them as, as, as something to be shunned, as something that can potentially kill me or something that can get me sick. Essentially, we've turned them all into lepers. We turned our, all of our brothers into lepers over this sort of thing. And you can't even recognize people anymore. Try to meet somebody new in the age of the mask. Very difficult to do. Very difficult to remember names. This is all by design. This is not an accident. They want to dehumanize whatever malevolent entities you want to um, ascribe the, the blame to. So they want you to forget that God took on flesh, the flesh of man. They want you to forget that man is even significant. Now, granted, Christmas is not a time where we celebrate man, but we do celebrate the beginning of man's redemption. And it's no accident. And so look at your brothers and sisters in the eyes this Christmas. Go to where they are. Look at them. Say, Merry Christmas. Say, Christ is born. And uh, revel in that. Be proud that you are privileged to be able to do that. There are many churches now, um, you know, many of our churches are back open, but there are some churches in certain cities that are, to the, at this point, still not open. And some that we know of that haven't opened since the first lockdown. Yep. That's a, that's a sad state to find ourselves in, gentlemen. How can we yeah. honestly say that, we, that we're necessary if we can be closed down for that long? Now, my prayer is that they've been secretly worshiping and meeting underground, but I'm a little bit worried that's not the case. Yeah, I mean it's it's an excellent point, and that that really is kind of kind of sad to reflect on. We'll, we'll get to the cheer here in just in just probably in the second. We'll segment, sing "Good but... King Wenceslas" by the end of it. It'll be okay. <laughs> if we weren't teetotalers, Zelwyn would have made a special eggnog with lighter fluid, and we'd all be much more chipper right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, it it really is. I mean, this the, Christmas of all times should be a season of hope. And if if the if wh- whatever entity is trying to tell us that you know we shouldn't gather for Christmas or whatever, we're basically saying that there is no reason to have hope that this is going to be something that's going to go on endlessly and something that we're never going to get out of, kind of a thing. And that's simply not what the, what the gospel, what Christmas is all about. Christmas is the message that Jesus has come down among us to give us hope, the hope of life, the hope of you know an ever everlasting joy that will go on in heaven. Something far beyond this old, you know, this this earth, right? Yeah. Right, and I think the a lot of the things that resemble this year that have come before this year, those forms of dishonor done to the human body in the name of safety, which we've been doing basically any time you get on an airplane in the past nineteen years, the way that we treat the elderly, the way that we treat the unborn. All of those come out of a world that is addicted to fear rather than to hope. Christian ways of being and Christian understandings of how the unborn should be treated and how the elderly should be honored and how you shouldn't be, you know, (laughs) strip searching, you know, 60 year old women when they want to get on an airplane. All of those things are due to the Christmas gospel, are due to the idea that God loves mankind so much that he has become one of us. Yeah, could you imagine if if we went from this servile kind of selfish fear of worrying about our own to like the fear of somebody's like pious Italian Catholic grandmother who's just 
wanting them to get into church at all costs. You know, that that's the kind of fear we need. Like fear that people will not hear the word. Fear that people will will reject Christ or 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 be or be forced to do without Christ. Yeah. You know. Right. I could get behind that kind of fear. But then we would just say something about election and not worry about it. But there are consequences to what is happening right now. You're acting as if you don't have a wall covered with crucifixes in your home, Willie. It's true. Every every square inch. <laughs> and beehives. Crucifixes and beehives. In the big way. <laughs> Let the listener understand. Right. My my whole house looks like a looks like a Buca de Beppo franchise. And that's fine. <laughs> well, all right, guys, we're on our first break. We'll be right back with more Christmas posting right after this. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all them that trust in Him. The book that sits on your shelf, the one gathering dust, word fitly spoken, asks you to once again take up and read. Hear the words of the only wise God and be saved. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi and Adam Kuntz talking Christmas. Well, gentlemen, we started off a little extra spicy there, so let's shift gears a little bit in this segment. Let's talk about Christmas traditions, um, some of the things we see kind of in popular culture now, but also some just good, wholesome Christmas tradition posting, maybe some not wholesome stuff. I don't know. Zellwin, what what's Christmas like on the prairie? Well, it's usually cold, which is good for my cold heart. So, um, I mean, I, I'm just thinking back, like, you know, we always went to like Christmas Eve um, services and stuff like that. You know, a candlelight services are usually very popular out in this part of the world. I don't know if they're popular everywhere. I imagine yeah, they are. Yeah, pretty normal. Yeah. You know, and just, and then just gathering with family uh, for presents. And uh, we usually opened them on Christmas morning when I was growing up. Um, I know some people tend to open them on Christmas Eve. I, I don't know if I, we want to debate on that point, but you know, just the uh, the general cheer that goes along with that in in celebrating our our Lord's birth, right? And uh, something something that has started happening since you know we came here to where we are now is having uh, services on Christmas Day. It's not something I had growing up, but I think that's also a very wholesome thing to do and to celebrate Christmas. What about what about you guys? What do you, what do you want to? Where do you want to go from there? Well, one, I, I just think you, you, you need, yeah, yeah, you need to have a Christmas Day service. You just need, you have to. It's Christmas Day. <laughs> it's <laughs> you can't get mad at like Starbucks cups and Christmas and then not have service on Christmas Day. That's just the rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but I think it's it's fairly common. I don't. I think 
I don't think it's all that unusual where churches don't even have a service on Christmas Day. I mean, what 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 do you do in a situation like that? Find a church. What do what do? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, you, you worship with your family, pray, sing carols together, those sorts of things. Sure. Well, I mean, because because what is what does Christmas usually look like for you guys? I mean, Christmas Day services, obviously, but but what else there? Yeah, we we usually open presents on Christmas morning. Yeah, because Christmas Christmas Eve is just a whole different feel to it. It's sort of more, I guess, if you look at the readings, is more historically focused. What happened, when and where and how and why was Jesus born? On Christmas Day, you get that glorious John 1 gospel reading that talks about God's eternal plan, that the word should become flesh and dwell among us. So I think that that sense of fullness is best on Christmas Day. I mean, growing up, we opened presents on Christmas Day, and we've continued that with our kids because that just seems to fit the differences between the two days better. Sure. Willie, what about you? Well, pretty much the same as Adam. I mean, open presents on Christmas Day, church, probably church first, depending on the time. You know, if it's an 8 a.m. service, let them wait, whatever, or let them open them. I'm pretty... I'm pretty generous. It's Christmas, right? And and kids are going to be kids are going to be hyper and, and excited no matter what on Christmas Day. And I tell you, the, I wish I loved anything as much as my kids love Christmas Day. To, to see little kids on, on Christmas Day is just it's magical. Yep. It's a beautiful thing yep. to see. So that's what that's what makes me happy. I mean, among among all the things we talked about in the first segment, just the the excitement of little children in the home at Christmas is a is a blessing in and of itself. Sure. Yeah, no, I hear you. And it's it's pretty wholesome to be, like you say, to shift from this, even from the, the spiciness of the first section, because I think it's important to see the the joy of Christmas, to see the, the hope of Christmas, and not just to focus on on negative things. So no, it's it is I know I know my kids are looking forward to, to Christmas Day. You know, they're wondering like, you know, when when are we gonna open presents? When are we gonna open presents? You know, they're they're so excited. And I know that they're also excited for Christmas Day church as well. So I know that uh, we'll, you know, we'll enjoy nice. that as a family. Well, you so, know, and yeah. even, you know, even in a town like this, most people here are still very Christian. So you can still get a non-secular, very nice uh, Christmas light display at the park. That's kind of a drive-through thing that people do. Uh, money's collected, go to, to charities, things like that. So we do do those kind of monthly family activities where, you drive through. Kids love the Christmas light. You put a little Bing Crosby, perhaps on the on the radio. All very wholesome. Hot chocolate, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with these things. Uh, even even the even the secular Christmas traditions can be very edifying. Sure, but but now what? How do you deal with with traditions maybe that aren't our own, or maybe people who want to bring in different traditions? Like, uh, what what does what do Christmas traditions look like? You know, how should we appropriate them? Because I know that in these days, especially with the advent of the internet, you know, you see some families kind of appropriating things that, you know, never, that they'd never done before. Is that, is that wholesome? You know, how do, how do we approach that question? Yeah. I mean, I think traditions sort of become traditions after a while and their provenance gets forgotten. So maybe this will be different in 40 years, but there are some things that like St. Nicholas Day or St. Lucia Day that 
people do and and that's fine and and I understand why they do it. There's definitely a push among Christians probably less so this year than in years past, but to distinguish a Christian celebration of Christmas from a non-Christian celebration of Christmas. I understand that impulse. I don't necessarily share it because I think that the non-Christian celebration of Christmas is something to work with, especially evangelistically. So I'm not going to disparage what is kind of a substandard celebration per se. You know, I think if those things were all gone, if it all became utterly optional and it were kind of gone from our culture, even the Christians would miss some of those things, things like light displays in the park. But mm-hmm. some of the things that have been brought back are entirely good. I mean, I, I like St. Nicholas and we do St. Nicholas. And some of that is connected to something we'll probably talk about, which is Belschnickel, because there's a certain way that that was done. And there are distinctions there that you don't get from watching The Office. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's like... It, it just go ahead and give us bad. your apology for Bell Schnickel. We're ready. Okay, just well, it's not, I mean, what, what sucks bad is that it's kind of like Appalachia. The Pennsylvania Dutch, because it's a white subculture, you can make fun of it on TV still. So you can get distortions and absurdities. So there you go. You're getting... Pennsylvania Dwight Schrute gives us the same treatment that, uh, you know, Chinese got back in the day in... Uh, what was that Kung... Mr. Fu Manchu. How do, you, how do you like your Japanese guys, bucktooth or fanged? That was pretty much how right, you could get exactly, them. Right, the exactly. So, so, you know, that's unfortunate for the Pennsylvania Dutch. But the, the structure there is that Belschnickel is, a sort, is the St. Nicholas figure, which is why he can sometimes be scary. Although, if you just, like, image search this, one of the guys you're going to find is actually literally a pagan. So... His is super scary. I mean, I know the guy and he's he's a pagan. He's He's got this weird, you know, oh, the, the Pennsylvania Dutch were actually pagans, LOL, idea based on their love folk of planting by the signs. Folk. Yeah. Yeah. And folk magic. And so his Belschnickel is actually pretty terrifying and he terrified my kids. So, I mean, like <laughs> in real life. So I've seen that, hmm. but that's not the idea. The Belschnickel is usually supposed to be more like maybe like a Father Christmas figure. Not scary, but he can potentially punish you. And he comes on December 6th and he gives good things to good children and bad things to bad children. The traditional arc then is not Santa Claus, although obviously Belschnickel slash St. Nicholas develops into that in the U.S. But on the 25th, the Christ child, the Christkindle, comes and brings your gifts so that was the traditional thing, and that's what Belschnickel was supposed well, to be. I don't have an issue. Like, like I think St. Nicholas, I mean, being a historic saint, is worth observing and studying. The The thing that's weird to me is all of a sudden I see pastors in Santa suits. Well, they, I mean, a red cope and a white beard, call it what you want, guys. But I, sometimes it seems to me, and I'm just speaking off the cuff here, as I always do, that... <laughs> They're like, it's less about the kids and more for pastors to put a costume on, you know, <laughs> like, uh, it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of like Krampusnacht, right? It, it became, uh, it became grown up Halloween. What, what happened there? It makes me uncomfortable sometimes. I don't know. I, I, I love it. I love oranges and fake gold coins and shoes. That's very, that's all very wholesome. 
It's all very wholesome. And and of course, we want to hear about the testimony of St. Nicholas. I feel that that's very edifying. I know that Adam does not like St. Lucia because he's very anti-Swedish. And that's fine. Violently anti-Swedish, we would say. Well, my, yeah, my, my wife is anti-Swedish because she's Norwegian. So, right. you know, this is... So that's his, that's his beef with Lucia. It's not her personally, <laughs> right. but the entire culture she represents. And we can understand and appreciate that, certainly. I um, don't do St. Lucia for the same reason I don't do Kwanzaa, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you do Hanukkah? Don't answer that. <laughs> Uh, Zellin, do you have any folk monsters up that way associated with Christmas? Besides yourself. <laughs> Zellin is, I, I Zellin is the Krampus. Dakota Belschnickel. That's the... Uh... <laughs> Actually, he do resemble him. Right. <laughs> he gives uh, 15% coupons off things, though. He doesn't really give gifts. <laughs> no, we we don't... I can't ever remember having having any Christmas monsters or whatever you want to call them. We, it was a pretty standard, you know, Santa Claus that sort of thing. I, I guess when when you've only been in a region for a hundred, hundred and fifty years, there just isn't enough time for some of these things to really develop. Only only three or four railroads left at the end. I just of the had your yeah. village elders gathering you around a Christmas fire. And telling you to enjoy your spice nog because tomorrow is a work day. <laughs> <laughs> or the blizzard's coming, and blizzard's so we have coming. to hunker down. Yeah. Well, where's my brother Peter? He was eaten by a bear. Now go back to your Christmas jerky, son. I've never <laughs> been to the Dakotas, if it if you can't tell. But, I, but I'm never wrong on it. It's, yeah. it, it, it's pretty bleak. <laughs> Well, and we're we're quite a bit too far east for bears, but that's neither here nor there. So, <laughs> Zellin is the apex predator in his region. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean Christmas Christmas here. I mean, like I say, it was always kind of the more I guess you'd say the the standard Americana kind of Christmas, and it was very wholesome for for that reason. And I I think you know maintaining those kinds of of traditions would be would be a beneficial thing. We started thing. using Norman Rockwell like it's a pejorative, and I don't get that. I mean, I what's wrong I, with? Yeah, I don't know. Like, like leave Norman Rockwell style stuff alone. Who would not want to be at the Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving or in any number of Norman Rockwell Christmas paintings? Yeah, yeah, especially nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like, you rejected everything good and wholesome regenerations, and now we live in. Mad Max times, we have to go back. Are we talking Mad Max like the '80s Mad Max or like the the newer ones here? So uh, uh, take your pick. <laughs> We're talking Beyond Thunderdome, not <laughs> even the fun ones, just the bad ones. <laughs> I mean, like seriously, it is Beyond Thunderdome because you got Tina Turner up there. She's like the chief protagonist. There's something symbolic about our times right there. It could fit one to one. It's a t- it's there. There's your typology for you for today. Typology. There you go. The modern world <laughs> as Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> one of the strange things that the listeners may not be aware of is that this is one of the few cases in which Willie does not stand Puritanism. It's true. I don't. The love of Christmas is kind of shocking, you know, theologically <laughs> right. here. Right. I thought he would be charging across the Delaware River disturbing some drunk Lutherans on a day like this. Well, no, I I do that every day, but Christmas is a holiday, so I take the day off. (laughs) 
Now, people quite shocked when they enter my home, and it's not just portraits of Oliver Cromwell, but but the but the face of Jesus is actually depicted. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I have my office here with you know nice icons and stuff like that. So yeah, our our, our consistency only goes so far. Yeah, Uncle Oliver would uh, Uncle Oliver would have ran me through with his with his mortuary sword long ago, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets quiet on the podcast when I'm when I'm even remotely cheerful, which is a great delight to me. <laughs> we just don't know what to do with this information. Oh, they're always waiting for the other foot to drop. Yeah, I did mention one of the, my most wholesome and cherished uh, Christmas memories was, so as I mentioned, like, you know, 70-something grandkids just in the first generation on my mother's side, all that, I mentioned that before. And so by the time you get to great-grandkids, you're into the 100-plus territory just for grandchildren for, from my grandmother. And every year at Christmas... She made it a point to buy each and every one of them a Christmas present. And we would all gather at the church fellowship hall that we would reserve on Christmas afternoon because all the family was expected to get together with my grandmother and grandfather uh, so that she could pass out their Christmas presents and everybody could spend time together. Always appreciated that because it takes a lot of effort, you know, for a poor farm woman in uh, Appalachia to buy that many uh, toys and stuff. For and It wasn't usually socks that you got either. It was pretty cool. You know, we, I mean, the, the whole group would get together. So we, we lost that uh, somewhere along the way. Those are, those days are no more, but that is one of the, the more uh, wistful moments I'll ever get into here on a word fitly spoken. But uh, it was pretty wholesome, wholesome all around. See, this is what I talk about. I, I get all, I get all chipper and everybody's like, I don't know what to say. He's usually yelling about something and, and making me agree <laughs> and getting me to agree with him. <laughs> Well, no, I, and I think maybe as a way of encouraging our listeners too, you know, maybe that is something that we need to recover. Because I know that there's a lot of cases where families don't meet as, as much as they used to, or especially, you know, in a year like this, where they may be even being told to not meet at all. You know, we this family is important on a day like Christmas, just as much as Christ is, is important. Because, I mean, Christ has come into this world to redeem everyone and to redeem the relationships that we have with one another so why wouldn't we want to spend it with family go visit memo fam if you still if you're still blessed have any grandparents left go go visit them or call them or do whatever if they're far away it's it's so sad to me to see grandma like staring longingly at her grandchildren through a window on this christmas time on this at this christmas tide go see grandma go see grandpa if you still got them honor thy father and thy mother right Trust me, I believe if you're if you have an octogenarian grandparent, they would much rather see their grandkids than uh, than feel safer. Nine times out of ten, sure. I'd say that's yeah. the case. Yeah, no question. Yeah, the whole the wholesome Christmas use of the window is to throw a bag of coins in through a window so that the poor can be relieved of their sufferings. See, I told you Saint Nicholas stuff was fine. Now, okay, now you're pro Saint Nicholas on me. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, I'm, I'm to- I am pro Saint Nicholas. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. But yeah, and uh, or the odd snowball through a carelessly open window would also be welcome. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> no, but but you're right. Uh, that's that's a, that's a beautiful image and and, and well uh, a well used image with the window there. I like that. Well, and I I think I think also that that very idea of you know helping those who are less fortunate too. You know, alms giving is something that has fallen almost completely out of our culture. Uh, around Christmas, that would be something I think that would certainly be worthwhile. 
Oh yeah, that would be a wonderful thing. Yeah, to recover too. Now, I'm, now I'm just Wenceslas posting, but but That's there right. you have it. So about the poor on Christmas. It used to be one of the big themes, right? Yeah. Where is that gone? I don't know. How when, do we bring that did, back? When did the when when did that fall out? I'd I'd really like to know the answer to that question. Well, right around as, the time as, that people the people thought that works didn't matter, I guess. <laughs> Or, or maybe just in general, the about the time that uh, do you think it's part of the commercialization of Christmas, or or is that something that you think that could still coexist with the two? Adam, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, yeah, I think it it probably has to do with commercialization and also with the sense that rich and poor are not fixed categories, right? So, like, if Paul is talking about he who for your sakes became poor, right? The idea there right. is that there's something there's something real. He's rich. He already owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. But he, for our sake, became poor. Right. That's that's what's that's that's beginning yeah. with the uh, with the Annunciation and the Incarnation. Well, and, and you know, uh, part of the and this is related to commercialization. But when Christmas went from you got an orange and some walnuts and a peppermint stick, and we saw the rise of cheaply produced commercial goods. Then it just became about the accumulation of stuff. When Christmas was a time where you didn't have to work, where you received simple gifts, and where the community came together, you still had the presence of both personal gift giving, but also alms giving, and just general. You know, I mean, the imagery of gift giving is meant to be charity, anyway. But once, once, once you had you know mass produced Mickey Mi- Mickey Mouse's would it be Mickey Mice in this? No proper name, Mickey Mouse's. <laughs> uh, you would you started to see a shift and I'm not blaming like tickle me Elmo. The world was long gone by the time that came up. Right. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, yeah. Bring back the orange, bring back the sack of oranges and nuts. That's what we're, that's what I'm saying. Wholesome. Well, all right. We're on our second break. We'll be right back with more word fitly spoken. The word of the Lord says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. You can check out all of the Word Fitly Spoken podcasts on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Christmas. We hope you've refilled your eggnogs, have a cup of cheer, and are ready to settle in for our third and final segment of this special, 2021 Predictions. All right, folks, what's going to happen in the next year? Maybe we should revisit it, see how accurate we were. We don't need to. We'll be 100% accurate no matter what we say. So, Joe. Or or 100% canceled by the end of 2021, but go on. If we're not canceled by 2021, what are we even doing here? (laughs) 
All right, guys, who wants to go first? I promise not to use any words specifically that would get us banned from any platforms. <laughs> That's a pretty tall promise, but go on. You've already used at least three German words, which is dangerously close to getting us banned. <laughs> right, I know. I know. I know. I would predict that a lot of Christian churches will close for financial reasons, largely, I mean, underneath that are going to be spiritual reasons, but that as they close, I would not expect most of American Christianity to, let's say, grow in its clarity or boldness, because I think something we've seen this year is not only economic impact on on the church, kind of broadly, local congregations and everything else, but also that when pressured, whether on racial issues or government mandates or whatever, churches and church organizations will generally fold. And the reasons for that might be complex, but I don't think they're going to change that much. Well, to add to that, I predict that people who are sincere in their faith will seek out more traditional and and churches with a a greater uh, catechetical emphasis. And those churches may or may not be Missouri Synod churches. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I, I don't know how many guys have told me, you know, oh, I got, I have this many new members or my attendance is higher than in 2019 just because I stayed open. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, they find, they finally read the book of Concord, you know? Yeah. And so it's going to be, it, that's going to be an interesting one. What's the church landscape going to look like? I predict that one, at least one, I won't name it, but one very large evangelical conservative nomination will slide further into godless ecumenism and social justice rhetoric. You will see that. The main lines we won't comment on because they've already gone gone that way. Because but they're you're not going churches. To, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're going to see these what what in what two decades ago would have been considered immovable conservative denominations move quickly left. Hmm. Zelman's like, well, this is not what I thought was good. I I didn't didn't expect this. <laughs> no, I I, I I figured I figured this was going to be a little bit more gloomy. But coming out of eggnog posting into this, it's kind of like you know dumping the clutch and away we go here. So we'll give you some nice ones. Okay, one that I'm not happy with. I believe the ATF will ban pistol stabilizing braces, and I believe that Godzilla versus Kong uh, will premiere direct to HBO Max, despite the dispute going on right now. That's there you go. <laughs> and that's, I don't, and that's it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel gloomy talking about what's going to happen with the Southern Baptist Convention or the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod or whatever nameless denomination Willie was talking no, no, about. We totally weren't talking about. Right. <laughs> I I would say like I don't I don't think that's gloomy so much as clarifying in the same sense that I sure. think there's kind of yeah I don't see institutions that are, that are godless crumbling as a bad thing. If anything, it will serve to be, it will be clarifying. It will be cathartic, which is saying something, and it will be more honest and people will be able to see more clearly where the gospel is to be found. So I, I yeah, think it's, it, I, I don't pray for the collapse of, of institutions per se, but I do pray for clarity. And one of the ways in which God brings clarity to his people is smashing idols. Sure. So, I mean, we, we ask for this when we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. People forget that. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a difference between confession and institution. And, of course, the confession is the thing that will prevail over every opponent. The institution 
changes forms, takes different shapes. You can see that in the New Testament. It's part of the reason I think that that just the terminology for the office of the ministry varies so widely. Well, well, you're right, Adam. And only one of those has a promise to be upheld by the Holy Spirit and sustained by the Holy Spirit, namely the the confession, of course. Zelwyn, do you have any predictions for 2021? Yeah, I mean, and and don't get me wrong, my uh, my gloomy posting might be just because you know I'm largely Scandinavian, but that's neither here nor there. As far as what I see happening in 2021, I kind of see a lot of the same stuff, kind of the, the same stuff that we've seen going on so far, at least going on for a while. I mean, so I'm not disagreeing with anything that you guys have said or predicted up to this point. It's really just a question of, you know, what are what is this going to look like specifically? And what is this going to mean for the church going forward? I do think, like you say, there is going to be a great deal of clarity involved and a great shaking, as it were if only because it's going to sh- the, the lord is going to be shaking this nation and shaking his church and in so doing um you know bringing about that purifying fire as well as something which he actually has promised to do from time to time so i i think you know we 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 tend to think of 2020 as kind of being this very specific kind of bracketed thing that we're going to move past but i think unless something changes drastically we're going to continue in that general trajectory prediction on on beef prices in the new year <laughs> i'm i to be honest i'm not even sure where they're at at the moment so right. i haven't checked the the futures recently i i couldn't i couldn't tell you to be honest i think the idea that 2020 is not something that we're just going to like get past is very well put because it's also not really, I don't think it's realistic politically. I also don't think it's a fruitful way to think about 2020. I think like inculcating this follower idea that we're just kind of following how we're told to think about time is not helpful. If you begin to think about times of hardship or judgment as clarifying or purifying, which is a biblical way to think about them, then you understand them as profitable times of refining if you think about them as just like, oh, I'm sad, or a lot of people are sad, that's really only part of the story. But it's the only part of the story that you're sort of allowed to think about. If you begin to think about hard times as beneficial, I think that you'll find think you'll find it much more profitable for yourself and for your family and for your church. And it, you, it will also help you face times to come much more easily than if you're always waiting for some sort of worldly salvation from 2020 or government mandates or whatever it is that you want to get past. Basically, what you're saying then, Adam, is that the, the Gregorian calendar is is kind of broke. We need to look in things in terms of eternity. Is that is that how you're putting it here? <laughs> the, the, the idea that the church year is always ongoing is supposed to give you a separate sense of time apart from, you know, you know, Q3 reports or 2021 or election day or the various ways of marking time that your part of the world provides at any given point. The church year is supposed to give you a different sense of the nearness of eternity, which is part of how and why the flesh and blood of Christ is given to you personally live Uh, as it is in Holy Communion, to give you a completely different sense of what matters because you have a completely different sense of time. Yeah, very well put.
Very well put. Well, and I, I think there's a, a nice connection there too, like you say, with Christmas and Christ coming into time and coming into our world in order to redeem us and to redeem the time, as it were, so that now we are not just looking for since, you know, 2020, 2020, 2021, 2022, but we are looking forward to the consummation of all things, you know, that this is Christ's time at w- after which he will be victorious over all things. Right, right. And I, I think it's part of what gives Christmas its significance, because when you see a child delighted at Christmas, you're seeing your own childhood. You're also seeing the fact that Christ came as a child. And so childhood itself has its own peculiar holiness. And all of those things have to do with a different sense of time than the world gives you, because like the world gives you a sense that a child is just inadequate and uh, needs to grow up and get a job and go to a thousand years of school or whatever is wrong with a child in the same sense that it gives you a false sense of what old age is for, or what an unborn child actually is. So I think that Christmas has to do with giving you a different sense of time. And that was always true. I, I think I, at least I personally have a very, I have a much more lively sense of the importance of Christmas this year than sure. last. Yeah. I mean, you know, for many people, 2020 will prove to be beneficial because it's caused them to appreciate more what was lost. So this forced fast, so to speak, has been, I, th- I believe that the Lord will at least work good, good through it. And maybe we won't forget that lesson, at least for a few years. Perhaps we can say, hey, let's think back upon how sweet that Christmas was after being robbed of Easter and, and robbed of other things. What else is going to happen in 2021? I predict that some districts of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod will have conventions and some will not. And I predict that just because that's my that's my most favorite outcome. I think it would be most deliciously fun that way. I predict general chaos across the Synod and uh, we will be live streaming uh, that as it happens here. <laughs> that's right. It is you do love to see it. You do love yeah, to see it. You, do. you really do. You do. <laughs> well, the I mean, the 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 honesty that people have in public about a lot of things that they have sort of developed both inside the church and outside the church is reminiscent for me and some of our devoted listeners of Missouri's forgotten age. Because if you go back to that time, the, part of the reason that they're, you know, discussing scripture at length in conventions is because they actually think it matters. There's not, they don't really devote time to a lot of stuff that kind of proves to be non-essential. And the honesty that I think you see with people about, do I really want to do this? Am I too scared to do this? Whatever. It's refreshing. It's really kind of nice, even if it is chaotic right now. The, the chaos that would ensue or that's probably going to ensue has a way of of clarifying things because it shows that, yeah, maybe maybe what we've been doing up to this point isn't quite as, I don't know. And I'm talking in terms of, of like meetings and, you know, these kind of gatherings and the, and the conventions and stuff. Maybe it is a time that we need to reevaluate why we are doing these things. Because if it's something that we can just say, oh, we can put off until later, is this something that, you know, <laughs> we should do should it we, all? Should we be doing it? Yeah. Yeah. All good things, all good points. So... Yeah, so the, the, in a nutshell, prediction, division continues, fissure grows greater, 
um, good things may come of it. We'll we'll see, right? <laughs> Dogs so, and cats living together, complete chaos, <laughs> as it were. Prediction that people will continue to listen to uh, edgy left-leaning Lutheran podcasts hosted by certain linguistic people, but Word Fitly Spoken continues to be the single greatest far right-wing Lutheran podcast out there. Um, <laughs> You're just trying to dox us now, Willie. That's right. I I have never said we are we are far right, but you know the people in the media they're obsessed with us. They say that they say that. <laughs> yeah, some of them are demanding to know many things about us that we refuse to reveal. But I, I will reveal that we continue to earnestly await the revival of the synodical conference. Um, it's only a LARP until it's not. Right, and who else? Who else has been uniting uh, Wisconsin and Missouri quite like we have? I would submit to you that Word Fitly's episodes, where we've where we've brought in our our Wisconsin friends, uh, more effective than any meeting in St. Louis or uh, Mankato. It's entirely possible. <laughs> it's completely possible. Uh, I'm not sure what turn we just took, but I like it. So. <laughs> Well, I, th- I think that, that that's definitely something that I'd like to talk more about in the coming year. So this is an easy prediction to make if it's setting up our, our own episodes is, is this sense of that we if we need each other more than perhaps we knew, maybe overcoming longstanding differences will become much more urgent for many yeah. of us, especially younger guys. Well, and, and what we're going to be able to do is, so so much of our quote-unquote fellowship is based upon a monetary structure or a support structure. When we're going to need more and more, I mean, some of that perhaps, but what we need more than anything, especially in America, this great nation, is the mutual consolation of the brethren and a united front against the forces of the old evil foe. And so we need to we need to go back to that to that spirit of unity. We need to find it where we can and have these conversations. I do think it's a goal worth worth fighting for. Um, although some would disagree, but I don't care. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun year. I, I, predict, I predict good things will happen. I predict uh, that uh, God will continue to call his elect unto himself and that people will be baptized into Christ, that people will continue to receive the remission of sins as well and that the gates of hell will not prevail against the Church of Christ. And so with all that said, it's always positive. It's always looking forward when you're a Christian. Being a realist and being, and being very clear in what we say and seeking to be as efficient as we can, but knowing always that uh, Christ has the victory, that even in 2021, just as in the year 2020, Christ was still king. Yeah, and that's that's an important thing to mention too, because I think sometimes when we've talked about this previous year, you know, twenty twenty, oh how terrible, oh how how awful it was. I think that can sometimes overlook the fact that you know Christ, it is still Christ's time. You know, you know, we call it twenty twenty, if only because it's in the year of our Lord. You know, this is His time. This is His reign. This is His kingdom. And yeah, things are a little bit more difficult than they were perhaps in years, even of recent memory. But that doesn't mean that it, this is somehow out of his control or some like he's somehow, you know, just let it all go. And then maybe we'll get back to normal when we hit January 1st. No, this is Christ working in the world in order to bring about great good. Right. right? So we've got a few minutes left. I think we can get a few more quick predictions in. 
I predict, gentlemen, we'll see more UFO videos, and thus we'll have to do a UFO episode part two. <laughs> That's going to happen. That will happen. Some weird things are going on there. Zelman, any more predictions from you, perhaps content-wise? What do you think is going to happen in 2021 that Word Fitly will need to respond to? I think we're going to have to continue dealing with the question of uh, Christ and Caesar about the relationship of the Christian, especially to the government, because uh, in the in the famous words of of uh, Gribble from uh, <laughs> King of the Hill, you know, <laughs> guns don't kill people; the government does. <laughs> <laughs> December twenty twenty one. Word fitly, Waco. You. Were... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and so and so dealing dealing with. Those kinds of questions and how we're going to deal with a government that is going to be emboldened to do more and more things, I think, is going to be a live issue for Word Fitly in the year ahead, certainly. Yeah, I think the naivete, especially of Lutherans, regarding culture broadly and the government specifically, will be revealed as truly self-destructive as it is. And so those of us who remain after that purification will not be fooled again because we're going to ha- we're going to see the cost of naively accepting what you're told and what you're told to do. Yeah, feels good. Well said. What about you, Willie? Any other predictions? Well, you you've heard my my trivial predictions and I've you know really agree with a lot of of what I what I've heard here. I tried to give my positive spin, but I gave it I I gave it 5 minutes too early. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, so this is what we're going to see. We're going to see a great separating of the sheep and the goats going through. Um, Perhaps we've lived through the last normal days of the world. I don't know. But I think things are going to get a little weirder. And we're going to see the great parting of ways of, of many things. But we're going to be purified as with fire. And we are going to trust in the Lord that he will bring us through that fire and bring us out on the other side even more pure and clean and sanctified than we were on the other side of it. I have a great hope this will happen, and indeed I know it will happen uh, one way or the other in the Lord's time. Well, this has been A Word Fitly Spoken. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Zellin and Adam. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out at wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com, slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zellin, Heidi, and Adam Kuntz. Merry Christmas. God love you, and God bless. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not.